All right, church, we've got uh, two Bible readings this morning. The first is from Exodus chapter 33, verses 7 to 11. And the second will be from John 15 in just a moment. So Exodus chapter 33, verse 7. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrance to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped each and worshipped each at the entrance to his tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. And the second reading from John chapter 15 verses 12 to 15. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because the servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. Thanks, James. I'm going to pray, and then we'll explore... Uh, those passages, but uh, a whole bunch of uh, parts of the Bible together as we think on the topic of friendship this morning together. Gracious Father, thank you that you are into friendship. Please help us now as we reflect on your word and your insights into friendship such that we might deepen our friendship with you and uh, with those who are our friends. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, when I was at school, uh, I can remember being taught how to spell friend, uh, that it was I before E, and so uh, because you would always fry your friends, right? Uh, but then I thought, well, deep fried, deep fried friends are the best friends, so maybe we should always deep fry uh, your friends. You know, deep friends are the best, so deep fry your friends, crispy friends, mm, yummy. But seriously, how really do you spell friend? Uh, in the sense of what makes a friend? What is friendship? Well, as we take a look at what the Bible says, uh, you'll see I'm going to spell friend God, or G-O-D. At least that's the acrostic that I'm uh, working with as we look at first God's friendship, then our other friendships, and then finally doing deep friendships. So, first up, God's friendship. Now, the Bible is firstly about God, uh, and it's about God reconciling people to himself. It's about God making enemies his friends. Now, why does God desire friendship so much? Because to start with, God himself, in and of himself, as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is friendship. Uh, The 5th century AD Athanasian Creed summarises the Bible nicely on this, uh, saying this. We worship one God in Trinity and the Trinity in unity, neither blending their persons nor dividing their essence. 
There are not three eternal, uncreated, immeasurable beings. There is but one eternal, uncreated, immeasurable being. So the being of God is a community of three persons. At the very heart of God is a relationship, a loving relationship. The Son, Jesus, says of his Father, Father, you loved me before the creation of the world. And the Father says of the Son, this is my Son, whom I love. And the Apostle Paul, he appeals to the love of the Spirit uh, elsewhere on a couple of occasions. Uh, The Father, the Son and the Spirit are eternal loving relationship. And if nothing else, friendship is a loving relationship. So God is friendship. And we're made in the image of this God. So not surprisingly then, the world he designed and made for us is for fellowship with him and with each other. It started way back in the Garden of Eden with God walking with his people, Adam and Eve, in friendship. But, as we know, that friendship was broken. As Satan comes along and he whispers into Eve's ear, grumbling about God, did God really say that? What kind of friend is he? And Eve takes the bait and bites, and then Adam, he also bites. And But by eating the fruit, they do more than break his rule. They, they break his trust by rejecting his friendship. And as they suffer separation from him, as he boots them out of the garden, they also suffer death. And the simple fact is, as Adam and Eve's descendants, everyone since then, now suffers the consequence of this broken relationship too. Not only does everyone die, but everyone enters this world orientated away from true friendship with God and with others. Which leads us to put our love in all the wrong places, which ends always ends in heartache. Not only with God, but also with each other which we see played out, not just generally in life, but also in the pages of the Old Testament, even among the Israelites, God's chosen people. Because although there's the occasional true friendship, Ruth and Naomi, David and Jonathan, for the most part, though, it's it's a catalogue of Israel's relationships disintegrating and society declining the more that they turn away from God. Such that the prophet Micah can say this, have no confidence in a friend. And the prophet Jeremiah says even worse, beware of your friends. The point is, a broken relationship with God, it's got knock-on effects for relationships with each other. As Israel rejected God's offer of friendship, they lost the capacity to enjoy human friendships. And so too with everyone else. But God, because of who he is, He wants to make things right. And the Bible is the story of that, of God reconciling people to himself, of God seeking to make his enemies his friends. And we get we get hints of God's desire in this with people like Enoch and Noah, who we're told walked with God, like Adam and Eve used to. Another is Moses, who we're told regularly uh, met with God. And we saw that in the first reading that James read earlier in James uh, in Exodus 33. Uh, The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Walking with God, speaking with him face to face, these are the marks of friendship. 
And this was no more the case than with the one God calls directly my friend, the man Abraham. God not only calls Abraham his friend, he treats him as his friend. When God comes to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, he didn't need to tell Abraham his plans, yet he says, The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? For I have known him. And Abraham, in turn, treats God as a friend, as his friend. He trusts him, even with the life of his own son, Isaac. Trusting God could raise him from the dead, as later in the New Testament, James tells us, the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. Abraham was God's friend. He walked with him, he spoke face to face with him, was told his plans and he trusted him. And these guys, Adam, Noah, Abraham and Moses, they're actually key in God's desire to make a world of friends. Because his friendship with these guys were all in the context of covenants. Covenants that carry the story of God reconciling the world to himself. Covenants that were aimed to bring God and all his people together. Covenants that, importantly, were mediated through God's close friends. Adam, Noah, Abraham, Moses. You see... There was a general difference between these guys and others in their relationship with God. While other men and women, we're told in the Bible, may have known God's affection, they knew his counsel and so on, they were generally seen as servants. But God is keen for all people to have the level of intimacy and friendship that these covenant mediators had with him. Uh, to know him intimately and to be known intimately by him, to walk with him and talk with him as friends do face to face, to know his plans and to trust him. Indeed, it was this intimacy as mediators that not only paved the way for others, many others, to be friends with God, but anticipated what that friendship looks like. A friendship wonderfully fulfilled in the last and greatest mediator, Jesus Christ, who, being God in the flesh, came to open up relations with God by mediating a new covenant, sealed in his blood, shed on that cross, to bring all people together, all people together with God, into a level of intimacy best described as close friendship. On the night before he was crucified, Jesus had a meal with his disciples and he said something striking. He said, and we read it earlier in the in the second reading, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I've learned from my father I've made known to you. So here in Jesus we see God's friendship. He's walking and talking with people face to face, making known his plans, and what's more, promising to sacrifice his life for them. As he said just a little bit earlier, greater love has no one than this, that they lay down his life for his friends, which of course only hours after saying this, he goes and does precisely that. As he hangs on a cross and suffers the exact opposite of friendship, abandoned by everybody, including God. 
as he cries, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know what that is? That is the cry of someone all alone and desperate for friendship. Have you ever had someone you love literally turn their back on you and walk away? I did a couple of uh, few years ago. They saw me. I saw them. I went to go and talk to them and they turned their back and they walked away from me. It's not a physical pain, as in someone punching you, but but it is, right? Uh, it's a heady mix of heartache and regret, particularly if you've played a part in the breakdown of that friendship, and there's nothing that you can do to fix it. It's a, it's a hurt you think you half deserve, and a whole lot that you don't want. Well, Jesus knew something of this. But a million times over on that cross, as the father turns his face away from him. Only he truly didn't deserve it. It was our stupidity that Jesus bore. It was our friendship breaking attitudes and behavior that Jesus bore that turned the father's face away from him, that tore from him that desperate, lonely cry. So that we might never know the Father turning away from us. That we might only know him as close to us, as our friend. At the cross, Jesus mediates God's presence to us and he gives us what he has with God. As the Apostle Paul says, For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, may his light shine in our hearts, to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. It is in the face of Christ that we know the glory of God, that we know God, that we can walk with him and talk with him and know his plans and know his sacrificial love for us. It's in the face of Christ that we know God is our friend, our greatest friend. Please, if you're listening here today and you've never really thought about God as a friend, the possible possibility of God as a friend, I hope you see that's what he wants. And not just a sometimes friend, a friend on the fringe, but the closest friend. All you have to do is accept that Jesus laid down his life for you for your sin, for your rejection of God, if you accept this, then Jesus says, you're his friend. If you want to chat further about being friends with God, please drop me a line. I'd love to chat with you further. So, first point. In Jesus, wonderfully, we have God's friendship. Uh, which brings us to the second point. Our other friendships. Because the good news is that Jesus not only reconciles us to God, he reconciles us to each other, such that we're now a community of friends. As Jesus said, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. As Jesus loved us as his friends, so we're to love each other. Which quite simply uh, means sacrificially. Friendship, Jesus style, it's sacrificial. Church is a community of people sacrificially loving each other. Interestingly, uh, the Apostle John refers to a local church simply as friends. 
He says the friends here send their greetings. Greet the friends there by name. And he notes that characteristic of such friendship is a desire to see each other face to face. I hope to see you soon and we'll talk face to face. It's no accident that God came to the world not mediated by a screen or a device or a thing, but in person, firstly, as the Son in the flesh, and then by the Holy Spirit given to us to dwell in and with those who trust in Jesus. God's friendship with us is and always will be very much in person. And so it makes sense then that John can say to fellow Christians, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. As God's friends, we're now a community of friends who love, look to love each other self-sacrificially and as much as we can in person, face to face. Well, that's friendships with fellow believers. Uh, what about with unbelievers uh, generally? Well, along with Paul, we're entrusted with the ministry of reconciliation, of making, of God making friends. And he's chosen to extend the hand of friendship, that hand of friendship, through us. As Paul says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now, we may not be on the front line like Paul, doing the preaching and the evangelising. That's not everyone's gift, after all. But we're all still Christ's ambassadors. Ambassadors representing Jesus and his kingdom, representing him in the way that we live and speak in the world. Ambassadors that are just as key in helping others consider reconciling with God, becoming his friends. Just recently I spoke to a friend as he was coming to the end of his life. And he said, if people ask me if I believe in God, I'd say yes. I couldn't say definitely why, but the many years I've been working in my local shop, all the people who came through offering me this and that, the ones that really cared for me, who were sincere and kind, they're all church people. And so when I asked him if he wanted to know God more and how it's all through Jesus, he said, absolutely. Tell me. And so we talked through the gospel and then we prayed together. And he accepted God's forgiveness in Jesus. He reconciled with God. He's now God's friend. In part because Christians befriended him and loved him. So, Let's love our unbelieving friends and do it well. (laughs) Let's be kind and generous and sincere. As we tell them of Jesus, or maybe even before we bring Jesus up, let's sincerely help them and care for them and love them. Which, at the very least, 
will look like us praying regularly for them, that they'd become friends with God and praying how we might love them better to that end. Sam Chan, in his uh, short, helpful and very practical little book, How to Talk About Jesus Without Being That Guy, uh, he suggests a bunch of ways to love our non-Christians friends. Uh, one of those, one of the first that he gets is he encourages people to get along to our friends' things so they might get along to our things, to get involved with that soccer team or be a part of the local PNC or to get into a music group or whatever it is that your friend is into, to get along to their things, take an interest, care about them and their things so that they might then come along to your things when you ask, things that have Jesus in the mix, like church or or connect and conversations on the coast, which, God willing, we're hoping to kick off again in Term 3. So, that's our friendships with believers and unbelievers generally. Which brings us to our final thing, doing deep friendship. Uh, Each local church is a true community of friends when it's filled with many smaller overlapping networks of deep Friendships. Uh, the simple fact is we can't be a friend to everyone, a deep friend to everyone, but a few deep friendships seem to be something that even Jesus himself did. He chose a small group of 12 to call his friends, but even within that group there were a few, Peter, James and John, who seemed to be closer. So how do we best do these deep friendships? Well, the first and most important way is to cherish Jesus and to cultivate the friendship that he's made with you. As Drew Hunter in his helpful book, Made for Friendship, he writes, as the great friend, Jesus models true friendship, as our great friend, he empowers it. So, love on Jesus. He's united us to the Father by the Spirit so that we might commune with God. So cherish Jesus. That's what he wants. Worship him. That's what he deserves. Adore him. That's actually for our best. It's actually for the best for our other friends. Because unlike our other friends, only Jesus can bear the weight of our greatest hopes and love. It's interesting that in his classic book, Confessions, Uh, Augustine talks of a particular close friend that he had before he was a Christian uh, who died and left Augustine sick with grief and misery, which he came to understand in this way. He says, The reason why that grief had penetrated me so easily and deeply was that I had poured out my soul onto the sand by loving a person sure to die as if he would never die. The greatest source of repair and restoration was the solace of other friends with whom I loved what I loved as a substitute for you. He's talking to God. And this was a vast myth and long lie. So to love our friends properly and to properly enjoy them, it's not to put all our hope in them as the way to satisfy our hearts. They just can't do that. They're flawed and sinful. They'll inevitably let us down. And they're mortal. They can't match the hunger of our hearts. Only the immortal and the eternal can do that. To try and feed our souls on our friends 
will not only leave our souls starved, it will destroy our relationships. Uh, The Christian thinker, Francis Schaeffer, he once wrote that if someone tries to find everything he needs in a friend, he destroys the very thing he wants and destroys the one he loves. He sucks them dry, he eats them up, and they, as well as the relationship, are destroyed. So, BFFs, best friends forever, it's a cute kind of term for that close friend, but please don't take it literally. That's to worship them. And only Jesus is the friend we can feed on to our heart's content. He's the only one who can bear our appetite. The only one who deserves our worship. So the best way to do deep friendships is firstly to cherish Jesus above all else, above all others. The second way is to be like Jesus with our friends. Uh, In his book, Drew Hunter uh, outlines a number of things to Jesus' friendship with us that are worth looking at as a model for us, a model for how we might do deep friendship. Uh, We'll touch on only a few now, but it's worth uh, checking that book out. The first being that Jesus loves us with the deepest affection. He doesn't just love us, he's glad to love us even when we've made a mess of our lives, an ugly, sinful mess, Jesus is drawn to us and comes to us, not rolling his eyes, but full of compassion. In the same way, we should love our friends, be glad to love them, grieved when they get themselves in a mess, drawn to them when they're in a mess, and full of compassion for them. We should walk with them through their life, Also, it seems Jesus expressed his affection for his close friends by giving them nicknames. Simon he called Peter, or Rock, and James and John he called Boanerges, sons of thunder. Maybe we could do something similar with our friends, to deepen the friendship, if we haven't already, uh, to respectfully and endearingly nickname them, out of a deep affection for them. Let's love our friends by walking with them and talking affectionately with them. The next is Jesus lets us all the way in. Jesus calls his disciples friends, explaining it's because all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. Jesus speaks to his friends with unguarded openness. He reveals his heart and his plans to them. And so should we with our friends, our deep friends. To do deep friendship is to let our friends all the way in. All the way into our hearts, into our hopes, our plans, even our fears, even our sins. As we confess our sins to God and others, we can find real forgiveness and healthy friendship as James says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. To do healthy, deep friendship is to let our friends in all the way. Lastly, Jesus speaks with honesty and kindness. 
Proverbs 27.6 says that wounds from a friend can be trusted. And the simple truth is that we can trust Jesus when he wounds us because he wounds us with the truth in love. He tells us when we're off the mark, when we're sin- sinning, which can hurt. But he tells us so that we own it and know God unreservedly forgiving us and helping us to do better. In the same way, we should speak to our friends with honesty and kindness. We should be prepared to weather some weirdness if we call out a friend on bad behaviour or attitudes because we want the best for them. And we should be prepared to accept it ourselves from a friend calling us out. Rather than ghosting them for it, thank them. Let's speak with honesty and kindness. And that definitely means not gossiping. Uh, Proverbs 16.28 says a gossip separates close friends. Someone who spreads secrets destroys the closest friendships. Because gossip destroys trust, which honesty and kindness only build. So let's do deep friendships by speaking honestly and kindly to our friends. And there's a basic paw print uh, on doing deep friendship. So in wrapping up, in Jesus, God is our greatest friend. In Jesus, we're a community of friends reaching out in friendship to those in the world. And Jesus empowers and models what deep friendship is. What a friend we have in Jesus. I'm going to pray. Gracious Father, thanks so much for the friendship that we have with you in and through Jesus by your Holy Spirit. As a community of friends in Christ, please help us to love each other sacrificially and to love those in the world for the sake of promoting friendship with you in Jesus. In our close friendships, help us keep Jesus ever closer to our hearts as our greatest friend as we seek to cultivate deep friendships in affection, openness, honesty and kindness. And we pray these things in Jesus' name and for Christ's sake. Amen.